If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 687. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Why are you there? Give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. You've already heard about that. Of course, buy one or 20 or more classes there. And of course, you keep this podcast free of charge. It's a win-win. You get great content and you get the free podcast. Also, you can click on that support tab at brianmclanahan.com. Throw a few pennies my way. If you're watching on YouTube, you can click on the super thanks button under the video and throw a few pennies my way. Or go to anchor.fm and become a subscriber there. You can throw a few pennies my way that way. All those things keep this podcast free of charge. Go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. My affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. You can throw a few pennies my way that way by buying a Liberty Classroom membership. Lots of great ways to support the show financially. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally, not locally. Share the podcast around social media. Send me those show requests. Do all the things you can to grow the audience because that's how we get more people involved in this process of bringing America back from the bottom up, right? So let's talk about that. We had a big night last night in Wyoming. Liz Cheney is defeated in a primary election. This is people thinking locally and acting locally. It's the embodiment of that, right? I mean, this, these primaries, uh, these recalls, initiative, all of this stuff. Now, I know that there's a lot of pushback against that in conservative circles for a long time because uh, it involved more direct democracy. But certainly at the state level, all these things are possible. And we know that throughout history, as people get involved at the state and local level, generally you see a push towards the right because most people don't really want the stuff that the leftists are selling. Now, that's not the case in leftist states. You see in many leftist states, they push the other direction, and that's okay because they live in those states. So federalism allows for these states to be states. It allows for political communities to be political communities. And it takes someone like Liz Cheney, who is laser beam focused on the center all the time, out. Right Now, it doesn't mean her opponent is going to be any better when it comes to nationalism and uh, too much focus on the center. But regardless, the people of Wyoming spoke, and Liz Cheney is going to go home. She's going home packing. Now, what I want to talk about today, and I had several people... Uh, email me about this over the overnight is Liz Cheney's uh, concession speech. This is hilarious. Now, apparently Fox News, I didn't see it, but apparently Fox News went ballistic over the fact that Liz Cheney compared herself to Abraham Lincoln. How dare she compare herself to St. Abraham the Wise, the best man to ever walk the face of the planet, at least in the United States. I mean, anywhere Lincoln walked in the United States, they should put down some type of marker, right? Lincoln stepped here, and they should have a little marker. And then Lincoln stepped here, and they should have a little marker. And everywhere along this path, there should be a a a, a, a place to have holy water, right? So you can sprinkle holy water on the steps. And then there should be 
some type of altar that you can go kneel at and uh, with a statue of Abraham Lincoln so that you can certainly genuflect and honor uh, the demigod in American history. And these, all of this, right? We should just do this from Springfield to Washington, D.C. Have a path that people can walk uh, where you have all of these little temples along the way. And then finally ending at the American Parthenon there in, in Washington, D.C. with Abraham Lincoln, uh, where your pilgrimage will end and you, of course, can, can uh, genuflect and reflect on Abraham Lincoln the Wise and all the great things he ever did. I mean, this would be a beautiful tribute to Lincoln's Lyceum Address recalled for American government to be the new secular religion, right? So we start in Springfield, we have the pilgrimage path, kind of like, you know, you went to Delphi at the, uh, in, in Greece and had the path winding up there and you had little temples along the way. So we'll just make temples all along the way here and everybody can, can reflect on Lincoln as they go. Uh, this would be fantastic stuff. But Liz Cheney, I think, will be the first. She'll be at the head of the column doing this. Liz Cheney, Dick Cheney, all of these dopes that uh, somehow worship Abraham Lincoln. These people would all be there. And they could have done this. This could have been the, the Lincoln March uh, following her defeat. It would have been absolutely hilarious. So Liz Cheney invokes Abraham Lincoln. Not just Abraham Lincoln, but uh, also others, U.S. Uh, US Grant, uh, she kind of gives a nod to Martin Luther King. This is what I'm talking about with these uh, Straussians, neoconservatives, these nationalists, these Lincolnian nationalists. What they're doing is undermining themselves. Because, you see, Martin Luther King would never have been a confused for a conservative in his time. I mean, he wasn't. I mean, King flirted with communism. He was far on the left. But, you see, Modern conservatives don't want to be called bad names, so they try to invoke King and say he was somehow a, a conservative, which he wasn't. Or they use Lincoln and Grant, and somehow these people were conservatives. They weren't. Now, at the time, you could say Lincoln wasn't as far left as, say, Charles Sumner or Thad Stevens. He wasn't, but he certainly wasn't a conservative, and no one would have confused him for that uh, in the 1860s. All the conservatives voted against him, right? So... Uh, no one would have uh, would have voted for Abraham Lincoln that was a conservative. Now, you can make the same case for Thomas Jefferson, though I would say a lot of conservatives did vote for Thomas Jefferson. They voted for the Jeffersonians. I mean, James Monroe was a Jeffersonian. Uh, James Madison was a Jeffersonian. Though, I mean, you did have people who would be considered on the left voting for these people. Uh, and this is where the Hazoni book says, you know, people like Hamilton and all the Federalists, these are the real conservatives uh, however, you had a lot of people we would say were had very leftist ideas, American leftist ideas, voting for Federalists. So um, th that's you, you can't really get these designations out of the out of the uh, late 18th century and early 19th century, unless you're going to rely on con American conservatism being the bedrock of that as Federalism, and that was what Calhoun would say. Uh, so this is where we need to understand American conservatism. It has to come from that that position of federalism and local government and thinking locally and acting locally. And that's exactly what happened in, in Wyoming. So let me read Cheney's concession speech because it's really hilarious. Uh, and I, I think that everyone needs to hear this because this is where the Republican Party could go. Uh, certainly, I don't think that you would even have a Donald Trump uh, mind so much that Cheney's invoking Lincoln. I mean, Trump is a Lincolnian nationalist. Uh, most of the Republican Party is. This is this is their one ticket 
so they can deflect all these charges of being bad things, right? So this is, this is again, Harry Jaffa saying, well, if we say equality is conservative, nobody can call us bad names. And of course, they're going to do it anyways. Uh, so you might as well not cozy up to the 19th century leftists like Charles Sumner and Thad Stevens. Uh, I mean, this is, this is where we go from here. And if you look at what those two were saying, and this is my next class at, at McClanahan Academy, Radical Republicans, if you look at what those two individuals are saying, along with others that I get into, you'll see that essentially the vision that they had in their speeches, particularly near the end of the war, was something that the Republican Party often trumpets today. I mean, it's, it's this very much a cultural imperialistic vision of America. And you would find all of these people lumped in with these 19th century leftists. All right. So let me read the speech. She says, we are really are in God's country. Now, I'll say this. Wyoming is a beautiful place. Uh, it's, it's a different kind of place. If you live in the, in the East and you've never been to Wyoming, you would feel like you're going to a foreign country in many ways. It, it is. I mean, it's, it's stark, it's barren and, and uh, dry. And, and you have these wonderful plains that just, I mean, all of a sudden these mountains pop up out of nowhere when you get to the western part of the state in the Rockies. It's really quite amazing. It's quite striking. Uh, but it is a beautiful place. Different. I mean, the east is very green, very lush. The west is very dry. And they're seeing that now with the Colorado River being, uh, I mean, this is what John Wesley Powell said. You know, we can't live out there. It's too dry. I guess Americans are finally figuring this out. Uh, and it's wonderful to welcome so many here. I want to say, first of all, a special thanks to every member of Team Cheney who is here in the audience and to tell you our work is far from over. Well, unfortunately, I hope that's, <laughs> that's not true, but probably it's true. Unfortunately, it's probably true. Cheney's going to pivot to something else. There's talk about her running for president against Trump for 2024, trying to primary Trump. She'll get smashed. I mean, look, nobody likes Liz Cheney in the Republican Party. Uh, oh, I say nobody. There are some, clearly. Uh, but Liz Cheney is the embodiment of the establishment Republican. So is her father... I mean, she is George W. Bush, and the Republican Party generally has rejected George W. Bush. Uh, they, they've, they've just moved on from Bush. They realize what Bush was, an imperialist warmonger, and that's what Liz Cheney is. And now that she's joined all the Democrats and going after Trump, and look, Trump has got uh, all kinds of problems, um, but uh, this was seen as a betrayal of, of uh, Donald Trump and uh uh, coddling up to the Democrats, who certainly are making stuff up as they go many times. And, you know, Republicans generally think of the Democrats as cheaters. So uh, this is uh, this is going to be hard for Cheney to get into a Republican primary and somehow win with the January 6th committee hanging over her neck like an albatross. It's going to be a real issue for her. Among the many, many blessings that we have as Americans and as individuals and as human beings... The blessing of your family is surely the most important. And so I want to thank all of my family and pay a special tribute to those who are here with us tonight. My mom, the awful historian, if she didn't say that, and dad, Dick and Lynn Cheney and my husband Phil and four of our five kids are here. Katie and Gracie and Philip and Richard are all here tonight. Elizabeth is starting law school today, so we'll have another generation carrying on dedication to the Constitution and our freedom. Our freedom. Yeah, right, I'm sure. Carrying on our dedication to the Constitution. That would be, that's the funniest. The Cheneys, defenders of the Constitution. Yeah, nothing says defending the Constitution like Dick Cheney or Lynn Cheney or Liz Cheney. I mean, when I think Constitution, I think the Cheneys. Yes, uh, that should be the t-shirt, the, the slogan. When I think the Constitution, I think Cheney. Uh, sure, 
Yeah, that's that's what I think. A little over a year ago, I received a note from a Gold Star father. He said to me, standing up for truth honors all who gave all. And I have thought of this these words every day since then. I've thought of them because they are a reminder of how we must all conduct ourselves. We must conduct ourselves in a way that is worthy of the men and women who wear the uniform of this nation, and in particular of those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. Now, let me put this in historical context. This is the bloody shirt. What's amazing when you go back to the 1860s and you start looking at right at the end of the war, Republicans would do what's called waving the bloody shirt. They would paint the issue as, if you vote for me, you're voting for the men who died in the war, right? Men who lost an arm, an eye, a leg. This is Thad Stevens. And against a speech I talk about in McClanahan Academy, so I'm not going to steal my own thunder. You do this, right? And uh, if you vote for the other side, if you vote for Trump, because he, I mean, he called uh, soldiers bad names. Uh, if you vote for Democrats, you're voting for the people that are against these people. And I stand with the army. This is what Liz Cheney's trying to do. Essentially, she's invoking the bloody shirt here. She's waving the bloody shirt. This is voting for me supports the person that got shot in this shirt. And that would be all soldiers now throughout all of American history. They would all support me, right? (laughs) Because that's who supports warmongers like the Cheneys. Soldiers. So this this is the important thing to take away from this, you have to understand. That's the the image she's trying to to, uh, portray. This is not a game. Every one of us must be committed to the eternal defense of this miraculous experiment called America. At the heart of our democratic process are elections. They are the foundational principle of our Constitution. Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, again, nothing says Constitution like the Cheneys. The foundational principle of the Constitution is federalism. And then, then, you know, you can go from there. But um, this is where, I mean, look, she's getting to the January 6th stuff. She's talking about the, the 2020 election. She's trying to uh, hint at that. You know, she's defending the Constitution against people like Donald Trump and all the MAGA people. A few years ago, I won this primary 73% of our vote. I could easily have done the same again. I could easily have done the same. The path was clear, but it would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election would have required that I enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take. No, she's above this stuff. She's above, she's defending the Constitution from President Trump and his lies and his attempts to unravel our democratic system. Well, again, uh, we don't really have a national democratic system we have a federal system, and the states have a lot of control over the elections. So uh, he's not really unraveling the democratic system. I mean, all the questions about Trump and the Electoral College, I talked about that way back in 2020, when it was all going on, and into 2021. And, I mean, there is there was some wiggle room there with the Electoral College, and Jefferson had shown the way. Uh, though, I mean, now, I mean, it's a little bit more difficult now because of the way the electors are, are, are scheduled, but... Um, that is something that, uh, historically, there were examples. No house seat, no office in this land is more important than the principles that we are all sworn to protect. And I well understood the potential political consequences of abiding by my duty. Our republic, our, she misquotes there, it should be a sick, our federal republic, she should say, relies upon the goodwill of all candidates for office to accept honorably the outcome of elections. And tonight, 
Harriet Hagman has received the most votes in this primary. She won. I called her to concede the race. This primary election is over, but now the real work begins. So here, Donald Trump would not have done this. Look, I am above Donald Trump because I called to concede. Nobody does this but the Cheneys. They called to concede. I conceded. She won. Now I got to get to work and still try to run for office to be a career politician. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. And that essentially is what Liz Cheney is saying she's going to do. The great and original champion of our party. This is not a, a badge of honor to say that Lincoln was the great and original champion of the Republican Party. Lincoln only won. See, she leaves this part out. Uh, Lincoln only won with 39.6% of the popular vote. He won the Electoral College, yes, but he won as a vast minority president. And he was called all a tyrant, a despot, a dictator, even by people that would have supported Lincoln and his policies. That's, of course, the Copperheads class that I give at McClanahan Academy. There is one particular individual on that that would have been you know, pro-Lincoln at one time and supported some of the things he did, but uh, couldn't when Lincoln started abusing the Constitution. Even Thad Stevens calls out Lincoln uh, for in, in the, um, those that believe the Union was never dissolved as being fools, right? I mean, this, this is, this is the, the real thing. Uh, so this is not a badge of honor to say that you were a, an acolyte of Abraham Lincoln. It's just not a good thing. If you understand who Lincoln was historically. Now, to the Republicans, this is like red meat, right? They'll eat this stuff up to the Straussians, to the neocons, this to them. Now, this, now the Claremont people would not support Liz Cheney because they're in, they're in Camp Trump. But a lot of Republicans will eat this up. Now, apparently Fox News was, was going ballistic over this, Liz Cheney, because they're ticked with her for being on the January 6th committee. But Liz Cheney is not doing anything here that's you know out of the ordinary for Republicans. I'll just say that. Lincoln ultimately prevailed, and he saved our union. Well, not really. He didn't save our union. He saved uh, his party, and he reconstituted a new United States. This is what the Republic... He, he opened the door for the Republicans to change the United States, which they did. He didn't save the union, not the original union. He saved some type of new union. And he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Speaking at Gettysburg of the great task remaining before us, and this is this. I mean, that's this plagiarizing from Lincoln. But she, Lincoln said that we are here highly resolved that we here highly resolved that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and a government of the people by the people and for the people shall not perish from the earth. And of course, Cheney, you got defeated by a government of the people by the people and for the people. And I mean, Lincoln, I, I've done I've done the Gettysburg Address in so many different places. I've got a YouTube video on it. Uh, I've got that in, of course, McClanahan Academy a couple of times. It's something that uh, it's it's a one of the most important speeches in American history, one of the worst speeches in American history. Even Lincoln himself didn't think it was a very good speech. But again, waving the bloody shirt, these dead shall not have died in vain. Right? I wonder which dead she's talking about. I don't know. Is it? Uh, I, I, I'm not certain. As we meet here tonight, that remains our greatest and most important task. Most of world history is a story of violent conflict, of servitude, and suffering. Most people in most places have not lived in freedom. Our American freedom is a providential departure from history. We are the exception. We have been given the gift of freedom by God and our founding fathers. 
It is said that the long arc of history bends toward justice and freedom. That's true, but only if we make it bend. Of course, that's Martin Luther King. That's that's Martin Luther King saying that, right? So she's trying to channel Martin Luther King now. So this, these are the heroes of the Republican Party. These are the Proposition Nation people. She just invoked the Proposition Nation with Abraham Lincoln. Now she doubles down with Martin Luther King. This is what, and it's all American exceptionalism, which um, there is something to that, but not the way the Republican Party makes it. Uh, not, not the way they portray it. Today, our highest duty is to bend the arc of history to preserve our nation and its blessings to ensure that freedom will not perish, to protect the very foundations of this constitutional republic. To preserve our nation. We don't have a nation, number one. It's never been a nation. Uh, it was never founded as a nation. And we don't have a constitutional republic. We have a federal republic. Again, language matters. This is, this is proposition nation, American exceptionalism, American imperialism nonsense. This is what it is. This is, this, is, this is the embodiment. If you want to read a speech that shows the establishment Republican Party groupthink on these issues, and that includes the Trumpers, right, in many cases. It includes these people. It includes the MAGA people because they wouldn't disagree with some of this speech. They just don't like Liz Cheney because she went after Trump. The Straussians wouldn't disagree with some of this speech. They would just disagree that Liz Cheney should... Uh, go after Donald Trump. That's the only thing. That's why Liz Cheney is being punished. She was right about that. Going after Trump meant she was punished. But they wouldn't disagree with the text of this speech. They would disagree with this next part. Never in our nation's 246 years have we seen what we saw on January 6th. Really? We, we've never seen that before? How about in Wisconsin, uh, where the Democrats occupied the state house there? I mean, how about during the war itself, when the Union Army actually marched into state houses? and slept on the speaker's platform. This happened in Delaware, by the way. They marched in, occupied the, the state house in Dover, and, the, and slept on the speaker's platform. I mean, that's military occupation. We've never seen this before? We've never seen insurrection before? Ever? We've never seen that kind of stuff? Never. Never. Like so many Americans, I assume that the violence and the chaos of that day would have prompted a united response. A recognition that this was a line that must never be crossed. A tragic chapter in our nation's history to be studied by historians to ensure that it can never happen again. Yes, we cannot violate the sacred temples of American democracy. And that is what happened on January 6th. They violated the sacred temples. And they, this is, they've called it that. This is a sacred place. This is Lincoln. right? Lincoln in 1838, the Lyceum Address. Get McClanahan Academy reading Abraham Lincoln. You need it. Because it will, it, it, I, I lay out where all this stuff comes from. But instead, major elements of my party still vehemently defend those who caused it. At the heart of the attack on January 6th is a willingness to embrace dangerous conspiracies that attack the very core premises of our nation. That lawful elections, reviewed by the courts when necessary and certified by the states and electoral college, determined who serves as president. Again, how are these electors being selected? There was a lot of questions in states about these things where you had COVID and other things involved in this. Were, were unelected people able to change the rules? There's a lot going on here, right? And I, I, she's skipping over this stuff simply to defend her actions on the January 6th commission, which isn't doing anything, right? It's just a show trial. So, was, so were both impeachments, just show trials. 
This is all it was. Liz Cheney has decided to be part of the rump. She's decided to be part of the leftists who want to uh, behead the king, so to speak. Not their king. Not their citizen king in Joe Biden, but the other king. If we do not condemn the conspiracies and the lies, if we do not hold those responsible to account, we will be excusing this conduct and we become a feature of all elections. America will never be the same. Again, the Democrats called the 2016 election illegitimate. They've called the 2000 election illegitimate. They did it all the time. I mean, Americans have always said these elections where this isn't legitimate. This is something that happens all the time. When, you, when the losers lose, they say things, right? And so um, this, this happens. To say this is so alien, it's ridiculous. Now, we'd never had any, any group of people move into the U.S. Capitol building after an election or during the count of the Electoral College. That had never happened. But we do know, oftentimes, there were, there were rowdy people in the galleries in the Congress and they had to be booted out at times. I mean, this stuff like this happened. Even during the war, things were going on. And during the war, the United States, as opponents of the Lincoln administration pointed out, was under essentially military occupation. There were soldiers everywhere. You couldn't do anything in Washington, D.C. It's very similar to uh, January 6th. And, of course, that was show, all for show, too, after that. Today, as we meet here, there are Republican candidates for governor who deny the outcome of the 2020 election and who may refuse to certify future elections if they oppose the results. We have candidates for Secretary of State who may refuse to report the actual results of the popular vote in future elections. And we have candidates for Congress, including here in Wyoming, refuse to acknowledge that Joe Biden won the 2020 election and suggest that states decertify their results. Our nation is barreling once again towards crisis, lawlessness, and violence. No American should support election deniers for any position of genuine responsibility where their refusal to follow the rule of law will corrupt our future. No, no one should do that. No one should support anybody that asks questions about, well, was this, I mean, there are maybe some things here that you know, may be a little odd. Our nation is young in the history of mankind, and yet we're the oldest democracy in the world. Our survival... Wait a second. The oldest democracy in the world. Um, I, how do you define that, right? I mean, the British had democratic elections long before uh, the United States came into existence. I mean, how, how, how do you define that? Uh, the, 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 that? That's a weird statement. In many ways. Now, I mean, you could say that because of its establishment in the, well, the United States, the, the Constitution of Massachusetts is the oldest written constitution in the world. Um, you know, the United States Constitution is second to that. But certainly, I, when, when you look at this, I mean, there were democracies before that. The British had democracy. They had elections before the United States was created. So does that mean that's the oldest democracy in the world? I, I don't know. Our survival is not guaranteed. History has shown us over and over again how poisonous lies destroyed three, three nations. Over the last several months in the January 6th hearings, the American people have watched dozens of Republicans, including the most senior officials working for President Trump in the White House, the Justice Department, and on his campaign. People who served President Trump loyally testify that they all told him the election was not stolen or rigged and there was no massive fraud. That's why President Trump and others invent excuses, pretexts for people not to watch the hearings at all. But no citizen of this republic is a bystander. All of us have an obligation to understand what actually happened. We cannot abandon the truth and remain a free nation. Now, here's the thing about Trump, and this is something Jonathan Turley has pointed out. Trump may talk a lot, but he didn't act on a lot of things. He didn't act. And to, to say that someone is guilty of a crime, they have to act. There's no thought police. Now, 
The Republicans long have a, have a, <clears throat> have a policy of arresting people based on suspicion. This happened during, we suspect you that you don't think these things. So we're going to put you in jail and lock, lock the door and throw away the key. That's the writ of habeas corpus. I've talked about this on this podcast. But he didn't act on these things. And that's the important thing. Right? Trump left. He didn't act. To believe Donald Trump's election lies, you must believe that dozens of federal and state courts who ruled against him, including many judges he appointed, were all corrupted and biased, that all manner of crazy conspiracy theories stole our election from us, and that Donald Trump actually remains president today. As of last week, you must also believe that 30 career FBI agents who spent their lives working to serve our country abandoned their honor and their oath and went to Mar-a-Lago, not to perform a lawful search or address a national security threat, but instead with a secret plan to plant fake incriminating documents in the boxes they seize. This is yet another insidious lie. Now, we know that uh, there are some things coming out about that situation that um, they, they stole Trump's passports and then they said they didn't do it, but then they had to give them back. I mean, so what's, now that could just been an oversight, but I don't think it was. So what's going on here? I mean, people are just asking questions. Wait a second. This, we see these kind of things happen in places that are not the United States, where we have where we have the government, the means of government used against political opponents. And that's, that's a very dangerous thing. We saw it in the Lincoln administration. I mean, if you want to say Liz Cheney is Lincoln, that's what she's doing. The, the Republican Party went after their political opponents. That's exactly what's happening here. Except the Democrats are doing it now. Donald Trump knows that voicing these conspiracies will provoke violence and threats of violence. This happened on January 6th, and now it's happening again. It is entirely foreseeable that the violence will escalate further, and yet he and others continue purposely to feed the danger. Today, our federal law enforcement is being threatened. A federal judge is being threatened. Uh, did the left not threaten federal judges after the Dobbs decision? I mean, again, uh, Cheney is cherry-picking things that are happening in America. This stuff, I mean, there are things, there are, I agree with her, actually. There, we're all, we've got some pretty strange things happening in America right now. People are fed up on both sides, I think. And that is where we're seeing some of this, um, you know, polarization happen and, and some, some things like this going on. Fresh threats of violence arise everywhere. And despite knowing all of this, Donald Trump recently released the names of the FBI agents involved in the search. That was purposeful and malicious. No patriotic American should use these threats or be intimidated by them. Our great nation must not be ruled by a mob provoked over social media. This, again, I, I could agree with her. Um, the thing that, that attracts a lot of people on the right to Trump is fighting fire with fire because the left does this stuff. And so all and this is where people are saying, well, if the left does it, we need to do it too. I actually agree with Cheney. This is a bad, bad, bad thing, right? To stoke the flames of of these kind of things on social media and cite, and cite uh, these kind of things through social media. It's not a good idea. I mean, this is not, this is not good. You don't really want to incite the mob. Um, but the fact is, uh, this is why people are attracted to Trump, because he fights back. This is what they want. He owns the libs. He, he does things. This is what people wanted in 2016. They were tired of, of sitting there and taking it. Our duty as citizens of this republic is not only to defend the freedom that's been handed down to us, we also have an obligation to learn from the actions of those who came before to the stories of grit and perseverance of the brave men and women who built and saved this nation. In the lives of these great Americans, we find inspiration and purpose. Now, here comes U.S. Grant. She's just U.S. Grant. You know why? Because she tells you. 
In May of 1864, after years of war and a string of reluctant Union generals, Ulysses S. Grant met General Lee's forces at the Battle of the Wilderness. In two days of heavy fighting, the Union suffered over 17,000 casualties. At the end of that battle, General Grant faced a choice. Most assumed he would do what previous Union generals had done and retreat. On the evening of May 7th, Grant began to move. As the fires of the battle still smoldered, Grant rode to the head of the column. He rode to the intersection of Brock Road and Orange Plank Road. And there, as the men of his army watched and waited, instead of turning north back towards Washington and safety, Grant turns his horse south towards Richmond and the heart of Lee's army. Refusing to retreat, he pressed on to victory. Lincoln and Grant, and all who fought in our nation's tragic civil war, including my own great-great-grandfather, served our union. Their courage saved freedom, and if we listen closely, they are speaking to us down the generations. We must not idly squander what so many have fought and died for. We must go like Liz Cheney and turn our horses to Washington, D.C. and still fight. Because that's our, the Union Army, the glorious cause of the righteous cause myth, must go on and on and on. Our truth is marching on. Of course, I'm making up all this other stuff. But see, she's Grant now, riding her horse, turning south to go fight Lee, the enemy. The enemy. See how she's setting this up, right? Trump supporters are Lee. Trump supporters are the Confederacy. We have to fight the Confederacy. This is how the Straussians think in many ways. In some, not, not the Trump supporter part. But they, they don't like the South. This is how the establishment Republicans think about the South. It's how the Repo establishment Republicans think about anything that's traditionally American conservative. She's showing it here, right? So Lee is the enemy. The South is the enemy. Her union great-great-grandfathers are the most important people because they fought the enemy and they saved America. But did they is the real question. America has meant so much to so many because we are the best hope of freedom on earth. Last week in Laramie, a gentleman came up to me with tears in his eyes. I'm not an American, he said, but my children are. I grew up in Brazil. I know how fragile freedom is, and we must not lose it here. A few days ago, here in Jackson, a woman told me that her grandparents had survived Auschwitz. They found refuge in America. She said she was afraid that she had nowhere to go if freedom died here. Now, again, turning towards World War II now, and the task that she's doing is fighting the Nazis. You can see the imagery, right? She is fighting the Nazis, which is Donald Trump. She's fighting the Confederacy, which is Donald Trump. You see? That's what it's all about. She's Lincoln fighting the enemies of America, which is the Confederacy, Hitler, etc., etc. Ladies and gentlemen, freedom must not and will not die here. We must be very clear-eyed about the threat we face and about what is required to defeat it. I've said since January 6th that I will do whatever it takes to make sure Donald Trump is never again anywhere near the Oval Office. This is a fight for all of us together. I'm a conservative Republican, not really... I believe deeply in the principles and the ideals on which my party was founded. That doesn't make you a conservative. I love its history, and I love what our party has stood for, but I love my country more. So I ask you tonight to join me. As we leave here, let us resolve that we will stand together, Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, against those who would destroy our republic. They are angry and they are determined, but they have not seen anything like the power of Americans united in defense of our Constitution and committed to the cause of freedom. There is no greater power on this earth, and with God's help we will prevail. Thank you all. God bless you. God bless Wyoming. God bless the United States of America. And uh, forgive me for making this stupid speech, but she didn't say that. All right. So I wanted to cover this because there's so much here. Historically, this is Liz Cheney. At the end, she kind of invokes Patrick Henry. At least she tries to. Uh, not very successfully, but that's what she's trying to do. I mean, you can see all this stuff, right? If you study enough of these speeches... If you study enough of these historical documents, this is why primary documents are so important. 
you see the you see the the continuation of all these things um and it's all rhetoric it's all hot air so anyways hope you enjoyed this episode of the brian mcclain show i'll see you tomorrow for the next one see you then (laughs) 